Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from Neo Technology and uh, here I am again recording a uh, podcast for our Graph Database Neo4j podcast series and today I have a uh, guest joining me on Skype all the way from Poland. Uh, hello Jaroslav, Jaroslav Palka. Hello. Hi, and uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Um, Yaroslav, you know, so you've been uh, you know, in the Neo4j ecosystem for a while. Um, do you mind introducing yourself and you know, what, what's your relationship to the wonderful world of graph databases? Okay, so uh, I work in Krakow uh, and I, I'm with JVM uh, and Java for the last, I think, from since 99. And... Uh, I work mainly as an architect and, and coach, uh, doing technical trainings for, for people and, and supporting organizations. So uh, my, my journey with graphs, I think it started in 2005 or six. It's, it's hard to remember all of the dates <laughs> where we were trying, uh, in one of the organizations, we are trying to migrate a large uh, um, database, which was supporting the uh, online flight shopping so basically sh uh, searching for our flights the best flights the shortest or the cheapest flights and we were trying to, to, to migrate this uh, from the relational database world to the to the graphs because what we found out is basically the structure we are working with is, is a graph and the problems we are solving is you know the typical graphs problem so finding the shortest the cheapest yeah basically the it is not always shortest path it's sometimes you know you are looking for uh, the quickest flight so you don't have a lot of uh, uh, stops or you are looking for a cheapest flight or you are looking for the flight when uh, when you fly with specific airlines or so that sort of uh, so, so that use case sort of got you going uh, in the in the world of graph databases, uh, and then yeah. what are, you've, you've done some other use cases as well, right? You, you're telling me about you know recommendations, access control, all of that wonderful stuff as well. Right? Yes, you know that the problem is, but when you start with it, from my perspective, you know after first project, I I started to see graphs everywhere. And everything in my life started to be either a node or the edge. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling, Yaroslav. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I think this is one of uh, so-called dangers of graph databases and thinking in graphs that uh, it, it is pretty easy to... Uh, to translate your problem uh, into the structure of graph, and and uh, I think this was this is the most appealing thing for me that you don't need specialized training and you don't need to read uh, tons of uh, books about the model because it, it is so natural to think about it about things this way. Well, that sort of leads me into you know like the second topic that I always ask on this uh, this podcast series, you know. What do you like about graphs? You know, what, what is so good about it, in your opinion? You know, I, I'm hearing the modeling advantages uh, that you just mentioned right there. You know, are there, are, you know, want to give you give us your perspective there? Yeah, sure. So, so for first modeling, uh, and and uh, it is also uh, important, but it is quite easy if you don't get into much details about you know the directed and directed graphs, hypergraphs, and all this stuff, and just focus on. on on graphs, you can explain to non-technical person how it works. Yeah. It's pretty easy. So when you work with business people, uh, uh, you, you quite soon get common vocabulary 
so it is really easy uh, to, to, to explain. You don't need advanced modeling tools and, and you know, just whiteboard and, <clears throat> and brain <laughs> to, to start the drawing and, and planning the graph. Yep. The second thing, uh, which is really close to my heart, I truly believe in, in emergent architecture. So uh, I don't believe we can plan everything ahead of time. And, uh, you know, in our world, when the, you know, the, the requirements change fast and customers sometimes doesn't really know what he needs and we discover what, what he needs over the time, one, the, one, one wonderful thing is that I can build my initial structure, uh, you know, connections and, and nodes, uh, and during the time I can evolve the structure of the graph. Uh, so, especially when uh, the one thing I like is I the graphs really start pretty simple, yep. but as I start to write queries in Cypher to it, I start to see that there are actually connections I haven't seen, so I can materialize these connections yeah. and, and reach my graph uh, with additional connections or, or additional nodes just to make sure that my Cypher query is, is the fastest possible query I, I, I can have. So. so it's actually a really good match with things like agile development methodologies and those types of things. Is that one, what I'm hearing? Yes, this is, this is for me really important, but I don't have to plan everything ahead and I can Build, yeah. uh, build the queries, build the, uh, the database as as I need as the project changes. I think that's a really cool um, cool perspective. I, I, I think I think you're totally right about it. So yeah, I uh, really appreciate that. So where do you think um, you know this is going, uh, Yaroslav? You know, do you have any you know wishes or or, or uh, <laughs> ideas about where these uh, this technology should be going in the next couple of years uh, any anything you want to you know throw in there <laughs> uh, yeah sure I, I i think the the biggest challenge and it it's not only you know the neo 4 j problem but because you know let's be honest uh, <laughs> it's not the only graph database engine uh, in the world but, but for me, it's the best because uh, you know I really like Cypher, and this is I think that that was the, the one of the best decisions to to, to build language based on patterns uh, to to query the database. I think the problem with the graph model, and you know we we all need to really hard think about it, is the say size of the data sets we are dealing with. So you know, as you know. We don't have a good way to split a graph into subgraphs, uh, having these things on the separate machines, and and uh, because of the connected connected nature of the data, we need to be able to squeeze our data set yeah, onto one machine. You're talking about With graph the, partitioning, right? That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's not. Uh, we don't have a good algorithms for it developed still, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So no strong uh, theoretical foundation. So I think uh, the guys from academia needs to meet with with, with the people well, who I work think with there's graph. been a lot of work that's been done around you know uh, partitioning specific graphs, right? So in, mm -hmm. in the general case, it's extremely difficult, and you can actually almost prove that it's impossible. But um, you know there, there has been a lot of work, mm -hmm. and also at the FHA on uh, on you know 
coming up with uh, partitioning with partitioning algorithms that would be specific to your domain right so if you would tell us more about your data then we would be able to make much more sensible judgment about you know where the data should go on which machine and and as you know you know we've been uh, you probably know we we've, uh, we've done a lot of work on it already and we're hoping that uh, that will uh, lead into a, a good product in a future version of Neo4j, but uh, it is early days still, you know, this. It's, it's a very complicated You know, it's, 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 it, it is pretty easy to, to, to partition in, in case you will, uh, you know, treat your database, uh, the graph database, Neo4j database, as a usual data source for, you know, for example, web application. So I, I think it would be easier, but if you have the partitioned data and you want to run, the, you know, the shortest possible path over the whole graph, <laughs> that's, that can be a tricky. <laughs> yeah, no, as, as soon as you hit the machine boundary, you have a problem, right? So it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very difficult problem to solve. We're, I mean, we're, we're, we are trying to make uh, a, a solid uh, dent into that problem and we're... There's a, there's a lot of work going into that. People like Jim Weber and are, are really actively involved with that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think it's it's a difficult one from multiple perspectives. You know, on the one hand, and this is just m my personal perspective, right? But you know, on the one hand, it, there's this hugely complicated um, problem, right? And on the other hand, you have a situation where the vast majority of of, of users and clients don't really need that. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, yes, that's true, and 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 this is really one important thing. When, for example, the, the one hard lesson from my first uh, Neo4j project is that we pushed all the data we had in SQL because it was basically migration from the SQL to Neo4j. So we pushed everything to Neo4j, and I think it was the biggest single mistake. <laughs> one of the biggest single mistakes in my life because actually you don't need everything. Well, that's, that's, so that's I, it, I truly right? believe in a polyglot persistence. Yep. So, uh, you know, you push to the graph only the data you will need during the queries. And all the additional heavy things uh, uh, you can have in separate store. So, uh, you can manage and whereas, you know, fortunately we are in, in a place where people start to think that having two, three different databases in a single system is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, yeah. so, this so that's, is uh, where I see line, uh, at the moment Neo4j as a... That's completely along the lines that we're thinking, you know, um, com you know combine mm -hmm. different data stores for different problem sets and have a much more task-oriented setup. Uh, I think that's... Uh, mm -hmm very much a recurring design pattern, I think. Yeah. So, you know, basically this is the pattern I see these days that, you know, Neo4j is quite often used as a supplementary database, like, you know, really tricky uh, index that can do weird things. <laughs> so, <laughs> people have their main SQL databases and they are feeding the, uh, the main many Neo4j instances and they are asking different questions because they have different uh, structures in, in place. So at the moment, this is where IC organizations are, are playing with, with Neo4j you know, as, a, as an engine which you can ask really tricky questions. Uh, so 
if you are asking about the future, I think the next step is to, you know, push organizations uh, to think that actually, you know, the graph database can be your can be your master data model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because at the moment it's it's mostly SQL, and you know the database, the name we shouldn't use. <laughs> it's controlling this, it's controlling this space, and all the things like uh, you know Mongo, Neo4j, Cassandra are just supplementary uh, for the, the SQL model. So. Very good. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts on that. I think that was very, yeah. very interesting and useful. I uh, really appreciate it. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, we're going to wrap up the podcast now. And uh, I'll, um, I look forward to speaking to you again at one of the future events. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank Yaroslav. You. Yeah, bye. Have a nice day. Bye.